0: Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. My name is CJ Schrader and this is episode number 155. And with me, as always, my two s- 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 procedural co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Perlman. You know, my favorite pre-game
1: procedure is beer and chicken wings. It's pretty good. It is.
0: I once ate a KFC double down in between rounds at a pre-release.
1: Is, that that was... the, is, is the double down the one with the bun is the chicken? Yeah.
0: That wasn't the mistake. <laughs>
1: um, you know, there's there's not many. I'm a big dude. And are there's, you there's there's a lot saying, of food. I'm scared of it.
2: Are you saying that eating it was the mistake, or just that the, the, it existing was the mistake?
1: Well, eating
0: it because my hands got all greasy. It's
1: that's what that's what the concern is. Yeah, that that's thing, what the
0: concern is. <laughs> that thing is terrifying. That's nah, fine. It's not bad. There's no fast food. I will not eat. Really? They can't outdo me.
1: You maybe you should uh uh have a have a YouTube video like CJ drops or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch it.
0: Alright. Maybe I will. <laughs> Alright. But on this episode, we're talking about the pre game procedure. Uh this is a topic we wanted to do for a while, we kept pushing it off, so I'm glad we finally got to it.
1: Yeah, these these pesky sets keep coming out, we have to release this episode. So many sets.
2: Oh, maybe we just stop talking about magic cards, and (laughs) then we can get to the stuff we actually want to talk about on a podcast.
0: That's food. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Sure. Yeah. So the pregame procedure is all the stuff you do before a game starts. And uh, basically, we're going to go through it in uh, mind-numbing detail, and then talk about the kinds of things that can go wrong during the pregame procedure, which is honestly a lot of stuff. I think a lot more than you might guess.
1: Right. The conversation before it was, we were looking at the list and we were like, wow, that's, that's long.
0: Yeah. So. All right. Ten things in the pregame procedure. Number seven might shock you. <laughs> I didn't actually count it.
2: <laughs> no, no. It's, Nobody number does seven. number nine right. <laughs>
1: right? It's, it's got to be, it's got to be like number two so that we get the through traffic on the clicks. Yeah. Right. That's funny. Yeah. And we'll have a picture. We'll have a picture on each of the uh, on the like the thumbnail and that picture won't be anywhere in the article.
0: Yeah. All right. So All right. the very first thing in the pregame procedure, this is kind of the thing where I feel like if um, this was on a test, people would miss it, just like people miss that phasing is the first thing that happens in the untap step is uh, you sideboard. <laughs> if that's if that's an option right now. Right. So obviously, so if it's th- game one. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Right.
1: Oh, no 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 it's it's yeah if it's if it's game 1 obviously you don't sideboard if it's game 2 uh or game 3 or in a few rare cases game 4 or game 5 uh you get to you get to sideboard uh which is uh substituting cards from your sideboard into your main deck
0: pretty simple yep on a 1 to 1 no not on a 1 to 1 basis anymore if it's a
1: uh... right so if you have, it's it's basically you've got to you've got to still have a sixty card deck after you sideboard. So if for whatever reason you have a ten card sideboard and a sixty one card deck, you can sideboard into a sixty card deck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No one does that because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, <laughs> but right.
0: you can. But you can. Yes. Well, you got that. Oh no, never mind that. Man, off my game. All right. <laughs> After you sideboard, what next?
2: Will you pile shuffle? <laughs> we don't believe in that here. You know that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll not hear those words in this house.
2: Alright, yeah. right, so uh, counting your deck by piling it is totally acceptable. Uh, especially after sideboarding, to make sure that you have enough cards in your deck, or to make sure you haven't missed any. Um, it's completely acceptable to, to, to count. But if you counted your deck and it came out to the correct number of cards continuing to count your deck isn't actually doing anything to your deck uh you should uh shuffle in some way after that point because pilot putting it in piles doesn't actually shuffle the deck it rearranges it yes but it rearranges it in a predictable pattern uh that that means that you still have an idea of or and very easily can have an idea of where cards are in the deck uh continuing to do that enough uh, can also be considered slow play. So you should shuffle by by like, actually riffling or, or mass shuffle. Uh, there's a lot of information on the Internet about shuffling uh, that you can find uh, in a visual form, which we really can't talk much about here because it's not a visual form. Can I ask a question about that? That's going
0: to sound really dumb for a judge of six years to ask. Yes. I can't visualize in my head how a riffle shuffle ever moves the top card off of the top i don't
1: so so generally what happens is when you you pick up the decks you riffle shuffle and yeah the so like the bottom card will stay near the bottom and the top card will stay near the top so you riffle shuffle and then they'll like pick up like the middle and they'll they'll move it around and then they'll riffle shuffle again and then they'll move the middle around so so yes if all you're doing is riffle 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 then uh,
2: the top the, card will still be near the top.
1: Okay. The top card will still so, be near the top. You, you
2: do need multiple methods of shuffling to have yeah. so, a sufficiently random deck. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, well, I take that back. There, there are methods of shuffling that, on their own, will be sufficient. I, I don't want to get angry emails from people, somebody who says who, who's going to give me the their way of shuffling that's that's correct. There are lots of ways to do it. The overhand Portuguese the, the, method. The, the important part is that you're paying attention to the fact that it actually moves the cards into unpredictable groups, um, and uh, to to sufficiently random, meaning you 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 cannot know the location of any card in your deck.
1: All right. Uh, so now, after you've you've riffle, you've done some combination of riffle mash shuffles with maybe a pile count in there somewhere. Uh, to make sure that you're presenting a, a, a 60 card deck uh, you are going to present that deck and the sideboard to an opponent to the opponent now i, I said and the sideboard um, so basically what you're doing when you're presenting your deck is you're giving the deck to your to your opponent to shuffle uh, to additionally shuffle uh, the rules actually say they're supposed they're supposed to shuffle uh, however, it's not uncommon for them to do a cut or maybe a knock if, uh, uh, which is just tapping the top of it saying that the job you did shuffling is fine. Um, the, the also a thing that the rules say is that you're to present your sideboard. This is not very common in the US. It's actually very common in other parts of, in, in other parts of the world. I think Japan does it uh, rigorously. Um, but they'll actually say, this is my deck and this is my sideboard. And one of the great things that does is there's no ambiguity as to what your sideboard is. So if there's other cards in your deck box, um, they're very clearly not part of your sideboard. So if you do get deck checked or something like that, those cards are absolutely not part of your, your, your deck or your sideboard or in with your sideboard mixed up in any way, shape or form. Um, all right. So, so you talked on, about one, deck one, checks. one last, one last thing. Um, you don't get last touch on your deck. You yeah. shuffle, you give to the opponent, the opponent shuffles, hands it
2: back. Right. So, so what you mean by last touch is you don't get to move any more cards around. You do actually get to touch your deck in the. you don't have to draw from where it sits. <laughs> no, when you um, go to draw
1: you... those cards, we smack your hand. Yeah.
2: So, but, yeah. but, to be clear, what you mean by last touch is you can't shuffle it anymore. Right, Right. you don't
1: get like, okay, after they shuffle, like people that have played for a very long time will remember, I shuffle, give to my opponent, they shuffle, and then when they give it back to me, I can make a single cut. uh, It used to be a thing, it is not a thing now. That is not a thing, you do not get to do that anymore. However, some old players seem to be confused by this still, so it's a thing to be aware
0: yeah, and and when you think about it, it, it makes more sense this way. Is someone more likely to stack their own deck or stack your deck, which they theoretically can't really see? Right. All right, so everyone's shuffled up. They've presented and gotten their decks back, and now they will use a random method to determine who goes first. This is usually a die roll. Um, of course, that's only for game one. If we're in a subsequent game, Then the loser of the previous game automatically gets to choose, uh, if they are going to play or draw. And if the previous game was a draw, then the, uh, winner of the game before the drawn game gets to choose. The loser, you mean? Sorry, the loser. The winner, sorry. The winner of the die roll or the loser of the game is where I was in my head there. The person who got to choose the previous time before the drawn game gets to choose again.
1: Okay. So, so what are, what are some random what are random methods? What
0: are not random methods? Well, like I said, rolling a die, flipping a coin. Uh, what I would not use is flipping the top card of your library uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you just shuffled and now you have to shuffle again. Two, that's not random in any way. Um, my decks, on average, are going to beat your decks, on average, because your decks are probably streamlined and I'm playing Force of Nature.
2: Uh, to be clear, what you're talking about, mana costs, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because there are other methods. I could take a card and we could talk about collector numbers or any number of sure. other pieces of information on the card yeah. that could be used to to effectively flip a coin. Uh, but mana costs are not one because of exactly what you just said. But we don't want to reveal the top card either way. It doesn't matter. Like,
1: right. but, but also also even silly things like arm wrestling. That's not yeah, random. That's
0: not random. Um, I, I feel like people are going to tell you that uh, spin down life... Counters aren't random, but come on. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I think I do think that whatever method you use, you both should use it, right? So if one person uses a spin down life counter, the other one should use the same spin down life counter. Uh yep. one using a spin down life counter and another one using a D and D D twenty might right. you might get slightly different results. So
2: I was once playing in a PTQ where two players were uh, had agreed to play a hand of Yahtzee and the highest scoring hand would start the game. Uh, sure. What? <laughs>
0: that sounds tedious, but okay. That's it. Okay, so so let's let's
1: real quick the the question that shows up on the forums about once every year. What do you do if the players can't decide on a random on on what random method? Like one person wants to roll a d20 and another wants to play like rock, paper, scissors with uh, those unhinged
0: cards. Yeah, you can do like evens and odds and stuff like that too. I'm just thinking right. of other options I've seen, but yeah, go ahead.
1: Right, okay, so in that particular situation, generally, um, if the judge actually gets called over there uh, to handle that situation, because I don't actually know if this has occurred in real life. I'm, I'm sure that you know there's one or two listeners out there with, oh, this uh, opened three years ago. Really, if the judge just comes over there and they say, we, "Judge, we can't. We can't decide a, a, a method." The judge is just going to pick up one of the dice off the table and put it in front of the players and say, "Roll it." Yeah, or something along those lines. Because, because really, it you might have a favorite, but it's it's not worth this this argument. Or what happens if the dice rolls off the table? Reroll the dice. Yeah. You're not you're not crawling under the table and shouting that it's a twenty. <laughs>
0: Yeah. What?
2: What? What?
0: <laughs> Have you not heard these discussions, Jess? <laughs> it's... You no, know,
2: I mean, about the rolling, like, why don't you climb under the table?
0: <laughs> I, yeah.
2: Oh,
1: because if you're the one crawling under the table,
0: it's always a 20 when you find it. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> All right. And so if you uh, sideboarded for this game, then an important note here is you got to make your sideboard decisions before no... Getting to know who's on the player or who's on the draw, yeah. so because you already sideboard at this point, point. and it's only a, it's right. only after the shuffling do we actually determine who's going to play or draw yeah. first.
1: Or or if this is like this is the second game, the um, the player who lost gets to announce uh, whether or not they're going to play or draw after they've made after everyone's made their sideboard choices. So you, the winner of game one, uh, you don't get to know. Uh, if that other if that other player is going to play or draw when you're making your sideboard decisions. Oh, so. what's next? Uh, this is so boring. Your life total because you're starting life total. Oh,
0: yeah. At this point. What's that?
1: What? Oh, it's normally 20. It's that same 20 I found under the table.
2: <laughs>
0: you get to so roll.
2: Wait, we roll for starting life total. <laughs>
0: <now>. <laughs> Oof, that'd be a different game. Oh man, it would. Mono red all day. Yeah, I'm trying to think like how do you how do you balance it? Like you you would have to get some more cards for that, but ugh, it's still fetch so, Yeah,
2: th- there was a, a a variant someone proposed a while back uh that was uh bidding life for extra cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that was, that was a pretty interesting variant. Yeah, I think so. Uh,
1: the uh what's the um oh, Vanguard cards also? yeah uh you bid mm-hmm. life and it changes your starting hand size so i guess this is why your life told this is i guess that's why this rule is relevant here like you kind of look at it and you're like well why is this rule like smack in the middle of all this stuff and it's well it's before you draw your cards
2: yeah but and there are uh there, there are i'm trying to think there, there might be a card somewhere that cares but uh
1: i don't think so outside of, like, Vanguard stuff. But, I mean, it's got to be somewhere, so... Like, your life total has to become your starting life total at some point, just like your deck has to become your library at some point.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: case you're wondering, there is a rule that says this right. becomes your library. Right. All right. So, as we've alluded to, right after that, you
2: draw your starting hand size. Yay! Which is usually seven, but sometimes five. <laughs> sometimes? <laughs> sometimes very rarely
0: one yeah so um yeah what
2: game is that
0: <laughs> yeah where, where do you get the one oh you just you just mulligan down oh okay well that's that's after this point brian yeah you're oh, oh you're spoiling sorry. people, spoiling. people not know oh, oh man <laughs> So, you're going to draw cards equal to your starting hand size. So, uh, it's worth noting here that if you just lay them face down on the table and don't actually look at them, we don't really consider that drawing them. So, if you fit, if you put down eight cards and it's like, whoops, uh, the judge is just going to, or should just put one back on top of the library because they are random cards. So, one isn't any different than the other cards. Um, a rule people might not know because it rarely comes up, but sometimes it does, is if you Say you accidentally skip the step where you decide who's going to go first, and you look at your opening hand, <clears throat> um, then that means you are on the play.
1: Right. Right. So, so if we if we change up the order, of this say we sit down for game one, we shuffle, we present, we you know draw, uh, we both draw our hands, and then we realize that we didn't roll to see who goes first. Um, we're gonna roll. <laughs> winner is going first yeah in that particular case uh, you don't if if you have the decision to play or draw as a result of, of winning the die roll and you've already looked at your hand before you make the decision you don't get a decision
0: yeah I'm glad you rewarded it because that, that's that's better all right
2: mulligans so that's like in golf just take the shot again right
1: well that's oh, uh, that's I thought I thought it was like those those people that got stuck on that island for all those years. Like they went on that tour, the three hour tour.
2: Uh, I get Mulligan's I'm, I'm Mulligan's Island.
1: I'm Mulligan's Island.
0: I completely acknowledge your joke. The <laughs> joke was made in my proximity. I agree. <laughs> so how do Mulligan's work? Oh, man. Why'd they have all that luggage, though? <laughs> for a three hour tour. <laughs> all right. So in turn order, because now we've decided turn order, well, we did a little bit ago, but in turn order, players are going to decide uh, if they're going to take a mulligan. So they basically say, I'm going to mulligan, I'm going to keep. Um, this this happens in, in a wave like this. You know, I'm playing against Brian, and I say, I'm going to mulligan. And then Brian says, I'm going to mulligan. So we shuffle our hands away, uh, draw six cards. Then I decide, I'm going to mulligan. Brian decides, I'm going to keep. I shuffle my hand away, draw five cards. Um, I decide I'm going to mulligan. Brian cannot then decide to also mulligan. All right.
1: Well, no, it's, it's safe for me to mulligan now because you just mulligan down to.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. You. Yeah. You, once you decide to keep, you've kept. There is no, uh, there's no changing that at all. And, and like I said, it happens in turn order. So if you're on the play, you need to decide if you're going to mulligan before knowing whether or not the opponent's going to mulligan. Uh it's worth noting that mulligan shuffles they should not take a long time because your deck is all random except for like six cards, so plop them in there, shuffle for a bit you're good to go hmm yeah that's true um and then there's certain cards <laughs> there's certain cards that uh if you uh they they let you you let you mulligan again so serum powder is an example of one. Um, if a if there's a card that lets you do things during the mulligan, then this is the time in which those cards can be used. Mm-hmm. Um, so after both players have decided to keep, there's one more step in the pregame procedure, and that's the uh, new one. Um, it's the scry. So if either player has, am I missing something, Brian? No, 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 no. Oh, it's okay. just You you
1: did this dramatic pause, and I was like, ooh.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's because I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> oh. Um, also, well, okay, hold on. Let me say this real quick, then I'll ask my question. Um, so, so we have the scry, right? So, if you have fewer cards in your hand than your starting hand size, you get to um, look at the top card of your library and choose whether or not to put it, leave it on the top or put it on the bottom, right? So, that is a little different because not in all formats does that mean if you mulliganed, you get to scry. It just means if you have fewer cards in your hand than your starting hand size, you get to scry.
1: Like in in, uh, in Two-Headed Giant, for example, that's a multiplayer format. Mm-hmm. So you get a, uh, essentially a free mulligan to seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your starting hand size is, you mulligan to seven, your starting hand size is still seven, so you don't get a, uh, a scry. Right.
0: So I've heard people call it things that aren't scry. Does does the rules call it a scry or do they call it something? Rules does not call it a scry.
2: Yeah, it is not technically scrying.
0: Why? Because no, so,
1: there are things so, that trigger off a of scrying. Not. Uh,
2: that's <laughs> not really relevant <laughs> yeah. here. Oh, uh, come on. So, so scrying is a mechanical game action, right? It's, it's, a, it's a mechanic that is on cards. It's a, a keyword. Um, we don't really use keywords in, when describing things that we do in the comprehensive rules. Uh, because of the rules, I, I can buy that. It's just the keywords are part of card templating, not. Yeah, yeah. We we don't. Uh, I can't think of a uh, uh, related example at the moment, but if I think of one a little later, I'll bring it up. I understand though what you're saying. you picking up what I'm putting down. I'm picking up what you put
0: down. <laughs> All right. So that's the whole pregame procedure. There's nothing else that is part of the pregame procedure. So. If you're thinking that there is, you're incorrect. And the thing that you're thinking <laughs> might be is those cards that let you get to, uh, that let you put them in play when you start can the game. We, or can Yoda. I mention
1: one more one more no, thing before we I already started talking about this other thing? Oh, all right. Sure. <laughs> no, it was just it was just the point. Uh, so mulligan shuffles. Um, so the purpose when you're shuffling your deck, um, the purpose is to completely randomize all 60 of the cards that you're playing or 40 in a in a a limited event you're randomizing your entire stack when you when you go to mulligan um you're really only trying to lose those six cards or sorry those uh those seven cards in in your in your deck so the rigorous shuffling is is not not necessary uh or it, you don't have to perform the same amount of rigor. Okay. Same thing like if, oh, let's say I'm mulliganing to from from four to three, okay? It shouldn't take me all that I, I shouldn't have to do like the, the 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 nine riffle mash shuffles and the two pile counts or any of that. It's just it's just a few shuffles present and go on go on your merry way. That was all.
0: Okay. So yeah, there are certain cards that do something um if they're part of your opening hand, and that's like the old Chancellor uh, cycle from New Phyrexia, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that? It's that? Cavern,
2: Jim, Gym... Jimstone no. Cavern.
0: No, that's no. no, 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 no. I'm confusing with Jimstone Mine. Yeah, Jimstone Cavern. Um,
2: yeah that that lets you do something. Uh, sp- it cares whether or not you were on the play as well.
0: Oh yeah, that one's weird. <laughs> um. Things like that. So. Lay, li- lay lines. Lay lines. Yeah, those are big ones. Um, so that's all after the pre procedure. Basically, you've already kept your hand. You've already done your quote unquote scry. Uh, all of that is done. It's only at that point do these cards start to apply. And so basically, cause at this point, you have finally, you have said, okay, I am keeping, uh, this opening hand. Um, you know. This is my hand, so these these cards can now apply to this, right? They don't apply in the middle of mulliganing. Um, some of them give you triggers, like uh, Chancellor of the Spires.
2: Yeah, Chancellor of the Forge also. Yeah. And maybe the green one?
0: Or is that Chancellor of the Spires? No, the green one adds mana to your mana pool, so yeah, that's another one uh yeah so chancellor aspires um uh, let me just read the whole thing so people know what we're talking about because which chancellor doesn't make triggered abilities i don't know but the All late ones don't. don't so <laughs> that's what i'm saying i said some of the cards not some of the chancellors um chancellor aspires says you may reveal this card from your opening hand if you do at the beginning of the first upkeep each opponent puts the top seven cards of his or her library into his or graveyard uh and then the rest doesn't
2: really matter um yeah, and chancellor, chancellor of the Annex will counter your opponent's first spell if they don't pay an extra one. Uh, which once I got to wreck my opponent by casting a lot of elf on turn 1, lot of elves on turn 1 and then following that up with a, a a summoning trap because an ability my opponent controlled had countered my creature spell. <laughs> okay, so so is their chancellor?
0: Yes, my your, opponent had okay.
2: a chancellor countered my lot of elf. I was like, I'll just play it for one. I won't pay the one. It'll be countered. I'll summon a trap. I'll get this prime evil type. Would you like to go to the next game? <laughs> wow, that's wow. great. That's great.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what I was going to mention is that these triggers go in during your uh, upkeep, but that's actually kind of unnecessary. Like that stuff only really comes up if you were to restart the game.
1: But the, uh, I mean, the the stuff that will reveal it from your hand and you get like a one one like Chancellor of the Forge. I mean, yeah, you get, you, they the all say
0: they all say the trigger happens during your first upkeep. So that's what I'm saying. Oh. It's not you know, it's not like when you reveal this, blah, blah, Because, blah. yeah, I wanted to go into the point that those triggers don't go on in your untapped step. They go on the first time you get priority, which is in the upkeep step. But, but they
2: all specify when the trigger happens. Yeah, the chancellors all
0: specify. So, well, Brian, did you want to talk about Karn? Hmm.
1: No, no, I wanted somebody else to talk about yeah, Karn. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Karn. Uh, so, okay, so there's one, there's one card that... Jess, hold on. Jess, do you want us to talk about Karn?
2: I mean, I can talk about Karn. If you want me to talk about Karn, it's well, not that hard. I a discussion don't want that it starts with
0: "There's one card that I."
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah so, hey, so there's a card called...
0: Over Serum Powder, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We did. <laughs> isn't there another
2: card that does what Serum Powder does?
0: No, never mind. There isn't.
2: <laughs> um. So anyway. Uh, there's a card called Karn Liberated. It's a planeswalker, and one of its abilities restarts the game. Uh, So, um, what happens when you restart the game is that, in the case of Karn, uh, it it has a set of cards that aren't affected by the restart, which is really weird. Um, I say in the case of Karn as though there are other cases. Uh, So, basically... (laughs) It exiles some cards, and all the cards that were exiled by Karn, if they were permanents, they get put under the battlefield uh, when you start the game. I think non-enchantment permanents. Or non-aura permanents, rather. Yeah. Uh, So, in this new game, the starting player uh, will be the player who restarted the game with Karn. Um, And uh, all of the magic cards that were in the game when it ended will be Will be in the new game, uh, even if the cards were, you know, exiled or uh, phased out, or or whatever. Uh, and even if those cards weren't originally in the game. So if I if I, you know, uh, glittering wish for something, and then somebody restarts the game with Karn, that that glittering wished for card and the glittering wish will now be in my in my deck as I start the game. Um. There are a couple of weird things that can happen here. You go through the same pregame procedure that you would normally, uh, except that we already know uh, who is going to uh, be the starting player. Uh, A couple of weird things that can happen. If you manage to have fewer than seven cards in your library when the game starts, uh, you will attempt to draw seven cards in your opening hand, and then lose the game as soon as state-based actions are checked during the upkeep. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you get to take mulligans first. (laughs) But the mulligan won't save you. No, Bulligan will clear. not save you. Yeah. You, you cannot just be like, yeah. oh, get into three. No, it doesn't work that way. Yep, because you attempted um, to draw. Yes. Yeah, you tried to draw from an empty library uh, since the last time state-based actions were checked.
0: <laughs> That's weird, though, because you would think the game rules wouldn't apply yet. Being... Oh, but this is restarting the game.
2: It's restarting the game, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh... It restarting the game ends just before the whole process ends just before the first turns untap step so if there are any additional instructions you do it at this time what that means is in the case of karn uh all the stuff that it said to put onto the battlefield goes onto the battlefield Uh, um if something triggered or would trigger when it enters the battlefield it still triggers um it it just goes on the stack during the upkeep and uh if something came in, into the battlefield tapped, that's irrelevant because you get an untapped step and <laughs> the
1: the oft used uh, turn one untapped step.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's super relevant. Um, let's see. And uh, let's see, if
0: whatever, you had any experiments just... with phasing, they would phase out in that first turn.
2: Yeah, yeah, and well, so the more the more relevant thing here is, it's as though all those creatures have haste because they were and you controlled them since the beginning of your upkeep yep. or since before the beginning of your upkeep. Um, so probably the most obscure thing, uh, or probably the two most obscure things actually, is if you manage to be in a magic sub-game when the game is restarted. <laughs> Jeez, why you why always, do I just do this? I I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> didn't know what.
1: I didn't know you were gonna go with Shahrazad and Karn.
2: <laughs> so uh, it doesn't affect the main game if that happens. It only affects the sub game. So if you enter the dungeon and then uh, and then you restart the game, you're still playing under the table. <laughs> um, All right. And and then in a multi last thing. All right. seeing limited range of influence, like in a grand melee.
1: Oh, oh you're, going <laughs> deep, you're going deep with the, the Karner cases.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, it restarts the game for all players, no matter what the range of influence is.
1: <sighs> basically, you're just giving a big, giant middle finger yes. to, to everyone everywhere. It's still in the game,
2: yes. All right, Jess, but what only about the people? So it you only restarts- the game for people that are still in the game. That's right. relative
0: to the multiplayer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. All right. Um, I also want to I feel like I, to me what Serum Powder is is obvious but it occurs to me that perhaps if people haven't been playing new, since New Phyrexia they also wouldn't have been playing since Darksteel. So let me read Serum Powder real quick. Uh, it says anytime you could mulligan and Serum Powder is in your hand you may exile all the cards from your hand and draw that many cards. So basically a pseudo free mulligan at the cost of exiling your hand. Um, so if you did do this you would uh, not get to scry,
1: right? But then you can continue to mulligan as normal at, yeah, at that particular point. So, so if you if you exiled uh, if you exiled your hand and drew the, that number of cards with serum powder, um, you may then I mean you may then keep or mulligan. Like you don't have to. That doesn't count as your mulligan. In, in like as far as like the going back and forth, like I mulligan and you mulligan then I mulligan and you. It doesn't count. In, in in that regard. So if you exile your hand, you draw that many cards back and you decide you don't have to wait for another round or rather you don't get to wait for another round. If you're
0: going to mull, you mull right then. All right. Let's make a note about notes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect anyone to actually laugh. Oh, that took me off guard. Um, all right. So uh, you can check your notes between games, i.e. when you're sideboarding. You can check yep. uh, notes outside the game. Sorry, I should I should be clear there. Um, that that is an option that's available to you as long as it's not like you know somebody's novel on
2: how to sideboard against every matchup in standard or whatever. But right, uh, and competitive, a competitive REL those need to be uh, physical notes. You can't just jump into your Kindle or your phone and check your notes. Yeah. Um, and, then- and that being said, when I say physical notes, your boogie board is fine. <laughs>
0: yeah let's not get into that um but then during a game um you're obviously you can't look at any notes during a game uh except gate except notes you took during
2: that match right so right in game notes you took during that yeah, match yeah. so uh i guess you could take notes during sideboarding if you wanted to yeah uh that would be weird All right I think it'd be okay. so so All uh right. I
1: got, I got a funny story about notes notes. Okay. Uh Okay. So, so you're supposed to start your match with the blank sheet of paper in front of you, right? I'm I'm going ahead jumping ahead slightly in the thing, but, uh, your, your notes that you take before, before the match or notes that you have before the match, you can't access them once, once you sat, but you're supposed to start with the blank sheet of paper. You can pull them out in between games. So it was at a, uh, an SCG open. This was several years ago. Um, And it was during the top eight SCG let the players share deck lists and, you know, they shared deck lists and one of the guys looks at the deck list and then he just starts chanting to himself very, very softly. But he's chanting to himself. He chants and then he looks at me and says, can we start yet? And I'm like, no, not yet. We wait for the for the head judge. And we, we hand the lists back. We've already handed the, the list back and I've covered him up and he's just still chanting. He's doing this little this little chant and I can't quite tell what he's saying, but he's he's definitely saying something long and in a rhythm. And he's like, Can we start? I was like, No, not yet." Sure. The head judge will tell you when to when to start. And then finally, Ben McDole, who's the head judge, announces that the players can start and he immediately grabs his pen and he just starts writing down on his on his uh, notepad. Everything that he was chanting, which was basically he was just trying to chant the guy's deck list hmm. to keep it in memory because he couldn't write it down just yet. <laughs> um, so he was just reciting it to himself over and over and over and over again so that he wouldn't forget. And then the second he was allowed to write notes, he started downloading it onto paper.
0: Wow. So let's talk about that uh, interaction a little bit when we talk about the things that can go wrong. Let's, let's circle back to that for one of the, one of the things that can go wrong. Slowly. Okay. Alright. <laughs> so let's say what can, let's see what can go wrong uh in a, in a, in this procedure. And the answer is a lot of things. And actually we're mostly only gonna talk about the things that we infract for. Um so? First one? Yeah, so this is at competitive REL. At competitive REL, yep. Yep. Judge Cast in general is at competitive REL unless we speak differently.
2: I don't know about that. A lot of our episodes are very regular. We talk about pre releases, we talk about in the release notes.
0: I mean, all
1: our episodes are kind of regular old episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't wait for those
0: competitive JudgeCast episodes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Insufficient shuffling. So where can that happen? I think that one's pretty easy, right? You're shuffling your deck. You didn't shuffle it enough. Didn't shuffle enough. Yeah. But what if I don't shuffle my opponent's deck enough?
2: Oh, well. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: You, you should have um yeah, it's I, I guess it's we we tell them we tell the opponent they're supposed to shuffle your deck uh if they tap it, uh that's fine, that's their call they're they're basically saying, hey, I believe your deck is random um. Or I, actually, I I, I want to rephrase that because since the rules require it, they require you to shuffle, and the reason the reason for that is because we want to kind of overcome the why are you shuffling my deck? Are you saying that I cheated? You know that that kind of potential for for tension. Right. Uh, but if you if you opt not to shuffle your opponent's deck, uh,
0: okay.
2: Uh, I, you should at least cut it. Yeah. Yeah. At the very
0: least, you're hurting yourself. I mean. Um... And I should mention, we're going to go over some infractions here, but we're not going to go super deep into the infractions, because I'm sure we have an episode on every single one of these. So we're just going to talk about it in the context of how it can go wrong during the pregame procedure. Ah! Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, a wild bird is flown by.
1: <laughs> this is just surprised at the things that can go wrong during yeah. the...
0: Wow, deck deckless problem. No way. Great. I wasn't expecting that. Where did these judges come from? Wow. So, yeah, deck checks problem can come up in a few different ways. Um, uh, one, like Brian mentioned, uh, after you present your deck, this is the time that a judge might swoop in and deck check you. So, if they notice any issues, am <laughs> sorry, Jess is just typing random characters into the, I think he's being attacked. I, I don't know. I think
1: that's a Batman villain. Oh, is as, 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 yeah, I don't know
0: what that is. The serial killer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. who... Yeah, sorry, I know who he is. So I just don't know how to pronounce it. Um, so, sorry, okay. I was leaning on my keyboard and didn't realize it. <laughs> yep. So the uh, deck deckless problem. Um man, I've been all thrown off.
2: Right, okay. This so not, yes,
0: this would not go on competitive Judge Cast. <laughs> this is not good no.
2: enough. No, or this much is much less professional Judge Cast. This is uh, well. You know, professional JudgeCast is weird because the spectators can't email you. Yeah. This um, <laughs> is casual judge JudgeCast at best.
1: All um, right, so, so
2: deck-deckless
0: problem? Uh, yeah. yeah, they soup your deck, and they find that you did not decide ward, or that your deckless is wrong, or that you have 59 cards in your main deck. You're going to get deck-deckless problem there. Yep. Uh, another thing that could happen is, is after you present the deck, um, but before you know you have drawn any cards you're like oh crap i forgot the d sideboard and you call a judge uh, that's going to get you deck deckless problem but it's probably going to be downgraded
1: or you present or you if you present to your opponent and he or she pile shuffles and 59 cards mm-hmm. uh, that would also be a deck deckless problem so that's that, one that would
0: probably not be downgraded cuz you didn't call it and cuz you have 59 cards yep two things there
1: well it's down on the floor with that 20 that you uh, <laughs> that, that you d20, rolled yeah.
0: the d20, but don't worry, you guys are gonna be moving down there later anyway because you're playing. Yes, dungeon. you're playing under the enter the dungeon, <laughs> so you'll just get it then. All right. <laughs> uh, improper mulligan procedure. Well, this one it should be pretty obvious. Yeah. You uh, you drew back up to seven. You mulliganed after you said you'd keep. Yep. Things like that. So these all happened during the mulligan portion. Well, I guess they also happen when you draw your opening hand. If you happen to draw an opening hand of eight, that would also be a proper mulligan procedure. Uh, it's
1: uh uh if you draw eight.
0: Yeah, in your opening hand. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Slow play. So, Brian, tell me how your story earlier could have possibly oh, been no, slow it's- play.
1: It, I'm not it, saying it, it was. Been, okay, it no, it, was, it wasn't. But if if uh, if the person had begun writing things down and writing things down and kept writing things down and kept writing things down, then that then that becomes slow play. However, the more common uh, uh, element of slow play is, um, I don't know, has this ever happened to you guys? You you select a table to go swoop. Uh so you go swoop and you're you're kinda sitting there and you're watching them shuffle and you're watching how they shuffle and you think to yourself, I wish these people would just hurry up and present already. They've been doing this a long time to- oh I, I should probably do slow play. That's the thing. And so you end up you end up going over there and yeah, if you're if you're taking a disproportionate amount of time uh futzing around <laughs> uh Yes, technical
2: technical terms, mind you. Technical <laughs> term.
1: Well, I mean, we used to actually have a specific amount of time, and what we we found that that was actually bad. Uh, so now it's just, all right, how long are they shuffling? Are they shuffling too long? No, you've done a good enough job, and they keep going? Eh, slow play. So, yeah, so I went up to the table. I gave them slow play, and then when they presented, I swooped. Yep. So they got the time extension for... Uh, uh the deck checks and then they got the plus uh they got the plus two uh plus two turns at the end also.
0: Yeah. Uh um another one around slow play is you know you're shuffling your present you're like oh I need to go check the pairings board right now see where my standings are. Um getting up from your table for any reason without asking a judge this includes going to the bathroom. Uh is considered slow play. You can't you cannot leave your match once you've sat for your match unless you ask a judge. And also, you can't ask a judge to go see the pairings. Or at least I'm not going to say yes to that. No. Uh, so that that would be another example of slow play happening um, during the pregame procedure, although that could happen at any point. Yeah. Outside assistance.
1: So outside, outside assistance takes takes place of uh, in, a, in a few different forms, or can take place in a few different forms. One of them is you, you've sat for a match, you know who your opponent is, and you pull out uh notes on uh that person's deck or just uh notes in general or uh a buddy comes up to you now this this is actually shifting who's who's getting the penalty but a buddy comes up to you and is like oh man i played this guy last round he's got a sick goblin deck mm-hmm. oh, yep well that's that guy just got mm-hmm. outside assistance um so those are those are potential scenarios where where things happen. So when you sit for your match, um, don't ask, uh, 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 hey, what's this guy's deck like or uh, pull out any notes or if your friend has sat for the match, don't go up to him and and start talking to them about things that might be relevant to uh, to the match that he's about to play.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the important thing there is the line is when you sit for the match. So, the moment you sit down, so it's not, it's not when you start shuffling. It's not, you know, at any point, it's before even the pregame procedure has begun. It's the moment you've sat for the match. Why is that the line? Because the line has to be somewhere.
2: (laughs) Pretty much that.
0: Yeah. Having the line at the pairings board isn't
1: really, uh, helpful.
0: Enforceable? That would be good. Yeah. All right, Ryan, I'll let you talk about USC minor and major.
1: Oh. Okay. Uh, Well, so, 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 uh, so, yeah, so we're talking, so we're, since we're talking about penalties that can occur, um, uh, during the pregame procedures, um, it's, it's not particularly common, but if it's going to happen, uh, when we talk about like USC Major, USC Minor, uh, the beginning of the match and the end of the match are probably the most likely uh, uh, cases for it to occur, is for someone to say something. Um, for example, um, uh, and these are examples. Oh, man, I won the lottery. I get to play uh, the girl. Uh, uh, so that's going to be uh, a USC major. So you're gonna have you're gonna have a chat with that person, uh, and they're going to be getting a match loss, uh, provided that they show remorse immediately. Um,
2: I, I'm I'm both amused and uh, and at the same time I, I guess it's kind of a good thing how uncomfortable it seemed to make you to even just say that in example form.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really. It's, yeah. <laughs> It is kind of like it's when we were talking about this before, I was just like, oh, they say like so and so. But yeah, so it is it is it's it's definitely not something not something that we want to have happen at events. Um, But when people are going to to be stupid, uh, they're normally going to be stupid when they're making small chat at the beginning when they think they're being funny. Or it's going to be at the end of the match when they're mad because they just lost. OK, those are those are the the, the two times that it's going to happen more than the other the other parts of the event. Right. I'd almost if he was going to say something like that, I'd rather him just not show up.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Well, that would be yeah. tardiness, Brian. It would be tardiness. <laughs> and that wouldn't involve yourself in the pregame procedures at all because you didn't show up. Yeah. So one of the things that could go wrong in pregame procedures is you don't show up. And therefore, that is tardiness. (laughs) That's a little bit of a stretch. I'm not gonna lie. That's 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 a stretch. All right. Well, that's it. Shuffle. Yeah, that's it. That's the pregame procedure. Uh, everyone knew that, but now they know it again. That's not true. I gotta stop. In my head, I'm like, everyone knows everything we ever talk about, but of course they don't. (laughs) Like, I need I need to interact with new judges more.
1: Yeah. I mean, we get we get uh, the questions about like. Do I sideboard before I know who goes first?
0: Yeah, actually, um, that's a great one. That's actually a great point. And the, um, the scry two, I've gotten that question. If you scry before you do the cards that start in, the, in, in play, in the battlefield, mm-hmm. ley lines or whatever.
1: Or if I mulligan to five, do I get to scry two? Or when does my life total become my starting life total? You know, mm-hmm. that question comes up.
0: Yeah, that one. Every event. <laughs> All right. So we have a couple of newsy items we want to cover one is it's i was going to be snide and say it's that time of year again. Dude, <laughs> be snide. All right, it's done. I already did it. I <laughs> mean, okay. by saying I was going to do it is the same as doing it. Um, we have L2 checklist changes. Yay. So, I think we can briefly cover what you need to do to be L2 and then we'll talk about the changes. So, I'll briefly uh, cover some of the things that didn't change at all. So um, to become level two, you still have to judge six sanctioned events in the previous six months. And that includes M or pre-releases, any sanctioned event. It doesn't have to be competitive REO. I think sometimes people misread that requirement. You have to enter reviews of two different judges into the judge center in the previous 12 months. Um, this one's slightly changed, but I'm going to read it anyway. You have to have written an article or a conference report or a written tournament report from an event with multiple judges in the previous 12 months. So the conference report part is new. If you attend a judge conference, you can actually write a conference report now. And then tell me what's new new. Alright. New news? Uh, new uh, news. New. So uh, the,
1: the so before, uh, what had gotten removed from the advancement of requirements was a score of 70% uh, on a level 2 practice exam or better in the past 12 months so that was the with new new world order uh that uh, was removed and the logic at the time was well they're just going to take the test anyway so why do they have to take a pretest to to show that they're they're good enough to take the test and in reality uh that pretest was actually really useful and really helpful um Uh, for for judging people's uh, uh, readiness to take the actual test Uh, it provided a pretty good objective measure and a lot of people if you look at the pass rates of people who did and did not take practice tests beforehand you'll find that if you didn't take the practice test you you were like a one in three chance of passing whereas if you had taken the practice test uh, and passed the practice test, you were, you know, something like uh, 7 out of 10, like a 70% chance to pass. So, it, it was doubling, you know, just having, having, I think it was even just having taken the test, like, doubled your chances of passing it.
2: Definitely having passed it. Uh, yeah. Taking it maybe, but, but
1: 100%. Well, it was, I mean, is, uh, Brian Schenck had, had did two numbers, and I, I, I think it was if you hadn't, if you'd never taken it uh, at all, then your chances of passing the l2 on the first time out were abysmally low um because it did it, it, the l2 practice test and the l2 test is a meat grinder compared to the l1 test if you don't have an idea of what to expect you're you're in for a rude awakening um it gives you it gives you a good gauge as to what what to study um also uh, L, uh when you're when you're testing when you're looking to test an l2 you you advance a lot of you you put a lot of time into into assessing this this judge and you want to have an idea as to whether or not the the judge is 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 close or not uh if you're gonna if you're gonna make a drive like two hours out somewhere to test somebody um you actually kind of want to have an idea as to whether or not they're gonna pass or not
2: yeah yeah that's true
1: yeah. You know, so um, so the, the actual bolded when you said like the article uh, for the, the, the article tournament report or conference report, I really don't remember whether it was the article or the conference report that was added this go round. It was one report. of our the-
2: articles. It was, it was the conference report, yep.
1: the conference report. Yeah. OK, so you okay. can write a conference report uh, instead of writing a tournament report. Now, the thing that changed. Uh, so the requirement used to be that you had to judge a single comp relevant. Uh, Oh, sorry. A single multi-judge comp rel event. That's actually changed. And this is the biggest change out of the whole thing. Um, It's been changed to um, a recommendation review from working together at a comp at a comp rel event written by a level two or level three judge in the previous 12 months. Now what this means is this satisfies because you're having a recommendation review. Someone's writing you a, a recommendation review for L2 from a multi-judge comp rel event. So um, you have to work at least one. You may have to work more than that in order to get this recommendation review. And the reason why this change was made was we we want L2s to be able to head judge PPTQs right out the gate uh, we want them to be able to do that and the old requirements uh, the old the old checklist the old advancement requirement didn't really set you up for that it said oh you just run a, a just work a, a comprel multi multi judge event and and that's that's sufi- or it set the expectation that that was sufficient and it can be it's probably not though uh, so what this what this recommendation review is supposed to do, and it's supposed to focus on, is is basically tournament like. Do you know how to run a tournament?
2: Right. Uh, this is you conference. could think of this as uh, uh, just kind of a practical, right? A practical assessment of uh, can you actually do the logistic part of an event?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's you don't have you don't have to be perfect, but you know, do you understand that that. Pairings need to go up and that slips need to go out in, in this particular order. Uh, what things that I'd like to see. Do you have the ability to talk to a T.O.? Like if there is a disagreement between uh, between yourself and the T.O., do you have an idea of how to approach that? Uh, not necessarily are you gonna are you gonna knock it out of the park and convince the TO that that no you're you're correct, but just do you know if if you're presented with a problem do you know the types of questions to ask? Uh, so that's that's kind of what the assessment is 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 this recommendation review is centered around can you do a PPTQ head
0: judge
1: head judge a PPTQ yeah that's that's the point of it and there's a there's a template where it really just says do you recommend this person and then prove it.
0: <laughs>
1: you know why? what makes you say that? Tell me and that's and that's what it is. It could be it could be one event. you know, you go into one event, you knock it out. hey, but if it takes you three, four, you know, that's fine too.
0: Yeah, so uh, one thing they this has kind of always been true, but they I think they more explicitly call it out with this update is that uh, if necessary, the regional coordinator can
2: always change these requirements um uh, on an, it's on the update it, it says that uh they can change it on an individual basis yep so it
0: you know this is for the regions that are like I just don't have six sanction events in a six month period, you know what i mean um
1: yeah so. it, it was it was specifically to address concerns of of with the recommendation review I'm being blocked right the the only l two in my area hates me. Uh, but I've been doing all of the work. Uh, can I get around to this somehow, RC? Help, please.
0: So, so if you're if you're in some kind of unique situation where you think you cannot complete this checklist, do um, do your area or maybe something like you know personal conflict like that. Contact your regional coordinator, which is basically the advice for anything that ever goes wrong. You ever have questions, you should contact your RC. Yeah, or Od- us,
1: but odds, but odds are we- good. Odds are good that if you're in the United States, uh, you, you, you're not going to meet the, the the hardship exemption clauses. Nope.
0: I agree. Hmm. All right, let's talk about the maintenance requirements real quick. So, at the end of each year, uh, excluding the year that the judge certified for Level 2, you have to fulfill the following requirements. You have to have had judged two competitive REL tournaments. You have to have entered one review of another judge into the Judge Center. And then the new one, demonstrate... Yeah maintenance of rules and policy knowledge through yearly exams. Low performers will be referred to their regional coordinator for follow-up. So the reason,
1: the reason why this requirement is bold, it's actually, it actually is unchanged from last time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, the reason, the reason why we bolded it is, is we're not doing it this year, but we're doing it starting next year. Uh, the reason being is uh We've started to put together what that test is going to look like, and it's not going to be ready until a little later in the year. And so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to roll out, oh, say in the beginning of November, a test that everyone has to take by the end of December. Uh, So what we decided to do was, uh, for lack of a better phrase, kind of hand wave over this year. And it's like, oh, we're going to have it starting January. It's going to be in. And uh, so it will be rolled out. It is currently being being worked on. It's not going to just be a thing that's out there for forever and never bless you and never uh, materialize.
0: All right. Cool. Okay, so we have another bit of news to talk about. Uh, This one, I feel like slid by us because this has actually been out for a little bit. I didn't even realize it was out, though. Is we have gotten the requirements necessary to get the level two team lead. You call it check here, but I think certification.
2: Uh what? yeah the the L two team lead certification is different than the check yeah. that is necessary to uh, to become a level three judge. Right. In that many people many people who may already have that check but not meet this uh, certification
0: criteria. Right. So this is the certification we talked about this a little bit back how certain certifications are coming. Uh this is the one that would allow level 2 judges to be
2: team leads during GPs. day 2 of GPs or day 1 also. Yeah, it's day 2. Okay. Uh in fact it's only certain teams on day 2. It's it's uh uh the I don't know what the term that was originally used was, but it's the lower demand teams on day yeah. 2 of a GP. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. There's 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 not all teams are created
0: equal. Right. Yeah. So, in order to be a level two team lead, um, in order to get this certification, you have to have been a level two judge in good standing for at least six months. So, nailed it. I've been in good standing for nine months. <laughs> Wait, nine consecutive
1: months? Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs>
2: so have you, Brian. Yeah, so have you.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I Man, I haven't been a level two judge in good standing in a long time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, you
0: have to have scored at least 80% on the L3 preliminary exam in the last six months. So that's the uh, practice exam you had to take as part of your checklist if you were going for level three. You had to have already been in each of the following teams at least once. Paper, logistics, deck checks, and broccoli. I'm joking about broccoli.
1: I've, I've heard of the broccoli
0: team. I don't even remember what it did. Broccoli I just remember there was, it was a team. A team. I probably didn't like it because of broccoli, but it's probably good for you in some way. I think it,
1: I think it was just like the, was it like the breaks, the, the breaks team? Yeah. I think it was
0: something like that. So I'm sure, well on day two, usually the teams do break down into paper logistics deck checks. I mean, they might break down a little further, but no slips three close. Yeah. No slips three, (laughs) no deck checks. C. um, Alright, you must have acted as a head judge or a team leader for at least three competitive REL events, managing at least two other certified judges. So in order to get the team lead certification, you must have team led shocker. And then head judge of ten other events, any REL. Doesn't look like there's a date like a doesn't look like there's time restrictions on these. Uh except for the first two, which are the last six months, but you must have demonstrated communication skills sufficient to act as a team leader at the large international scale, such as Grand Prix events. Must understand English well enough to be up to date on official documents. You know, I gotta say, this is kind of a side note, but I wonder if this requirement is going to become less and less. Because I feel like like we have so many translation projects going on these days. But I guess you don't want people to start ruling based on a mistranslation. So right. maybe we'll always keep that around.
1: Yeah, that's that's basically the the understanding English well enough to be up to date on official documents. That's that's kind of the new uh, the L3 uh, English competency requirement mm-hmm. is you don't have to you don't have to be like fluent or anything in English, but you have to be at least well enough to to read uh, from the source and then maybe communicate uh, with other people on 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 policy issues.
2: Yeah. And, and it's uh, it's not stated here, but it's implied that they can communicate well enough to actually communicate with their teams in English uh, yes. at events. All right. And then finally, a level three judge must verify the above
0: requirements with the candidate and contact the head judge of the event to recommend the candidate <laughs> is tested at that event. Uh, the re- this recommendation has no specific template, nor should it be long. It just needs to state that the requirements have been fulfilled and a recommending level three believes candidate is ready to lead a team. So what do you mean by tested here?
1: So, so those are all those are all requirements to to apply, mm-hmm. and so once you once you up, apply, uh, you will be at an upcoming GP. Maybe not your first, maybe not your second, but but soon, presumably, mm-hmm. um, you will be given an opportunity to uh, uh, day two team lead with uh, an L three shadow. And uh, Jess, have you have you you've done this right?
2: Uh, I have yes and no. Um, I've been the shadow bef- uh, on a team before this system came out, uh, for checks for the L3 process, uh, which is similar, but not quite the same. Um, is that now that there's, there's a little bit more of a system involved, uh, what did you want to know about it specifically?
1: Well, specifically just, uh, cause I haven't done it yet.
2: So, oh, okay. Um, so. it's mostly, it's, uh. It's your your job is twofold. One is obviously evaluation. And the second one is to be a safety net. Um, you know, if, if things are going south badly, it's also your job to to make sure that they don't um, but not jumping in too soon. You want to give people the opportunity to, to to fix their own mistakes as well. If all you do is run around putting out fires for every minor thing that happens, then you don't actually get to evaluate the person. Um, so. You know, the the L3's job on that team is uh, to be a productive member of the team uh, and evaluate. And then just if if everything they they should also just not be letting everything go horribly awry uh, if it comes to that. Uh, But if minor things are going wrong that aren't really critical, that's something they'll note and talk about as feedback, but not something they'll jump out and fix for every little thing. If that makes sense, I, I don't know if I was clear on that. No, no, it doesn't make sense.
0: No, 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 it makes no. Worse. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you guys this: who who is this for? Right? Who is the target market of the
2: L two team lead
0: certification?
2: That's a really good question. Do you, do you <laughs> know
0: the answer? I mean, I I have a rough answer I would give.
2: I I unfortunately I don't think I can answer that question right now. Oh.
0: So my rough answer is I believe it's for somebody who enjoys team leading at a grand prix, uh, wants to do it more, but doesn't want to be level three. I think, I think this and, and the future level two tester, you know, are options for people who aren't interested in going through the entire process for level three, but still want to do maybe certain portions of it that we classically expect a level three to do. Uh, this is also for people going for level three, because I think you have to have the certification to get level right. three.
1: That That is per, per the blog right now. This is uh, this process is replacing the team lead check mm-hmm. process.
2: Um, so what that means right now is that that process will um, most likely be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Prioritized, it, it prioritized for people that are uh, pursuing L3. Um, now, that, that's a little bit awkward because uh, it, it means that some people that have the skills and desire to do this may not get the opportunity right away. But it also uh, it does make sense given that in areas that have a need for L3s or there are a lot of candidates uh, for those to to get that preference first. Now I don't know what that uh, how that will shake out going forward, uh, and it's really just uh, at this point kind of my opinion. I don't I don't think um, we know for sure how that's going to work. Alright. Well I'm glad I asked. I think I think that was
0: good answers. Good answers. Good answers. Good answers. Good answers. Alright. Okay, well that's all our judge news. We have a couple of new level threes, but they haven't really been announced yet, so I'm not gonna What do you mean? Like they don't come out on the forums anymore.
2: I I would be happy to announce that Dan Collins made level three. Yeah, but congratulations. Because I was there. I was, was there that? too,
0: but the problem is there was another level three that same weekend, and I don't know his or her name, so now I feel well, bad that that's I'm not saying the, I, I, uh, that congratulations was, uh, to them.
2: But I don't know who it was because I wasn't at that GP. Yeah,
1: Lev Lev Kotliar uh, was promoted at a uh, uh, Grand Prix Lily Lily Lily
0: Lil Lil. Wow, he's, uh, he's he's from Russia. All right. Well, now I we know.
1: Yeah, and. Uh, one other one other really cool thing uh we had uh we had some anniversaries last week I believe or this uh
0: this month. Yeah, but it was like a 6 year anniversary like
1: No, no, no. 5 uh 5 years is L3. Uh We had uh we had several uh several distinguished uh distinguished judges. Wow. Uh,
0: 5 years since Philly. Yeah. Wow.
1: Right. So um so some judges that uh, and the only the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this 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 class of, of judges uh, was pretty, pretty phenomenal. So um, at the first modern GP or sorry, the mo- first modern pro tour in Philly in uh, 2011 uh, saw the following judges all making uh, L3. Uh, uh, Ryan Stapleton, Dan Stevens, Stephen Briggs. Justin Turner, Ben McDole, and Judge Cast alum, uh C Cat. All made level three five years ago this month. Yeah, that was quite
0: the party. Uh, congratulations, guys. Alright. Then I think at this point we can wrap this bad boy up. We have come to the the step after the scry. The if you want to mm-hmm. contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Step. And then There's the last step where we say the thing we say every time. If you guys are ready in your hearts. I'm ready.
2: All right. Uh, I'm also ready. My name's Cedar (laughs) Trader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep mulliganing to five. Slowly.
1: the english ones i just basically it was like grab 18 assigned to this person
2: grab okay. 18 assigned to so, this person so i just got hit by rng then um by rng our random number generator yeah Jeez, what that's the most
0: old man thing i've heard
2: well, what's rng yeah RNG. yeah you roll you roll the dice you pray to RNGesus and jesus and hope yeah, it comes out okay exactly